0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noon's is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Castillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
0: Hello, everyone. Happy March. This is March. This, this happy, is indeed March. Happy the New York Knicks are over 500 in March to our, York, our Knicks. The New York,
1: the New York Knicks are going to win everything.
0: <laughs> Fourth place, New York <laughs> Knicks. Last I checked, I don't know if they've done moved since... Uh, whenever the last game was last night um yeah <laughs>
1: i i know if everyone saw the the footage of, of people outside the garden <laughs> over the weekend but but you would you, i was expecting the ticker tape to start to start flowing
0: in the streets honestly last night on twitter sunday night not i mean if when people are listening to this sunday night on twitter uh, there was a major award show on with the Golden globes and award shows whether or not people actually care about them always take over twitter like they're like one of the only good things for like live discussion there were more there might have been more nicks tweets about just going 18 and 17 (laughs) than there were (laughs) about the golden globe awards
1: (laughs) this speaks to the conversation we're having like two weeks ago though like like the nicks can take over that city more than any other team
0: oh yeah no it's i readily admit it um it's fun I mean as a Nets fan I think it, it, it will be very fun but I don't know when those those two play again um I kind of hope it's not the last of the all-star break so KD will come back hopefully although I you know wouldn't be shocked if KD didn't come back until like the week before the playoffs at this point yeah March 15th uh, at the Barclay Center and then April 5th also at the Barclay Center um those will be fun games I mean obviously I think the Nets should win them but the Nets are, are like you can't deny what they're what they're doing like they're super feisty they have no real stars. I mean, unless you're really buying into Julius Randle, and he's a deserved like All-Star level player this year. But obviously, it's his first year playing that 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 level. Um, it just seems like they've bought in now. Now, will Tibbs be able to do it for the long term? That's been an issue for him. His last, uh, you know, his, since the late days of Chicago. Um, but overall, like you can't you can't uh, blame any Knicks fans for being excited, even if it is funny how excited
1: they are. <laughs> No, this is like the Knicks are the uh, NBA top shot of the <laughs> NBA right now. Like, like, like if, like, if you bought in at the beginning of this
0: season, the Knicks you're, are Emmanuel Tripoli selling for thirty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: like you're very excited right now. If you're buying into the Knicks now, like you're probably going to be very disappointed.
0: Yes, uh, the, the Knicks are are you know the people who sold GameStop at like you know however many hundred dollars that wasn't quite the peak. But like you're still very happy about it, you got out before it got like really ugly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, just uh, just strange. But uh, you know, the, it's it's fun for I guess I, I would imagine like there's a strong of the college slash NBA fans we have listening a strong Nets contingent. Although obviously Syracuse draws from a lot of different places, so I'm sure we have our Sixers fans. who are having a nice year. Uh, I know we have at least two Nets fans in me and, and Andy. Um, our sure most- newest.
1: I'm sure most like Syracuse fans are either non-fans, Bulls fans, or Lakers fans, or Carmelo fans, or or, or traveling Carmelo fans, as <laughs> as I feel like happens increasingly for uh, for NBA fans in general.
0: Yeah, I mean it's more of like a LeBron thing, I think, uh, but but I think that that does stick for like at least on on smaller levels for for other individual players. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I've had a lot more fun watching the NBA this year than college, admittedly. Um, this has just been a really... Just beyond even the Syracuse struggles, it's not like those are are like brand new. Um, this is college basketball season has kind of had the soul sucked out of it. And that's not to say the NBA has been perfect. Like The NBA probably deserves more heat for how it's handled this year compared to uh, most other leagues, especially after having such a successful bubble thing. But when the games have, have gone on and like... And also the All-Star thing is just ridiculous. I can't believe how short-sighted there being with that but um beyond that the actual game on the court i think has been really entertaining this year um so hopefully college basketball didn't like figure that out we've heard you know that discourse isn't brand new but i think this year has really pumped it up and a lot of it is stemming from the fact that not only syracuse but like your dupes your unc's your Michigan states although they're they're getting hot now uh your louisville's kentucky like obviously ucla and indiana nothing new still bad um so it's the fact that uh, like all the blue bloods plus like a whole chunk of the tier two schools have just been bad this year um, doesn't help. Uh, but college basketball, I think is in a not great place right now. And, and, you know, that's been very apparent with how the ACC has looked. Um, I know you want to talk about the ACC beyond just the Syracuse struggles. And yeah, I mean, I think the ACC is like, you know, the conference and and is expected to be at least like among the best conferences every year. And this year it's really bottomed out. And I don't know, if that's a more long-term concern, because it was getting kind of rough last year as well. Um, But this year it's like really jarring.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that right now what's happening is kind of the... i I give it another year before we, like I declare this for sure, but I think this is like that middle ground um, before the reset uh, within the conference. And I don't think that means that like Duke, UNC and Syracuse are like permanently screwed. Um, But I do think this is... Like we've been seeing this boiling for years. Um, And I think like now this kind of like weird season, while I wouldn't take everything from COVID. So like next year again is like the, the year to figure it out if this is a real trend or not. But like, this does seem like there's a bit of a like level set now of like, all right, like Florida state Virginia and like Virginia tech are like, three of the best programs in, in the conference are the only three programs that are ranked right now. Uh, I, I, I think like the, the, Florida state ascending to the top, like, you know, un, unmatched really, um, has been a, like probably five-year process. Um, I think Virginia hanging around still where they are, um, you know, has been a five-year process. I think Virginia tech is the fact that they've been able to withstand losses and, and, and nutrition and coaching change and all that. I think to me, uh, says a lot about, you know, the, the, the great footing that that program's on. Um, But like, you know, Dan kind of mentioned, like we're right now we're broadcasting before um, the North Carolina game. So really it doesn't matter what happens in that game. I think we can still have this conversation I guess Dan, like looking at both the current standings and then like kind of where programs are headed, um, who would you say are like the top five programs right now? Not necessarily teams but programs in terms of like their, their current and long-term um, viability.
0: Um, I think uh, it's way too early to sell on Duke uh, long-term. Now, obviously when coach Tay retires and that doesn't even seem all that imminent um, at this point, but who knows, um, you know, I think more often than not, they've been very good in this, like post their last national title, him competing with Calipari for all of the one and done's like, Obviously they haven't had like the super deep tournament runs, but their last, their last championship was built on, on freshmen. Um, And they've just been such a recruiting force that I think it's silly to think that like one bad year or a couple of like years that aren't quite like what they had been doing um, is going to like totally diminish everything. So I would expect Duke to bounce back. I think UNC is still clearly a top tier program. Um, I think they have the added benefit of like, They've been through the coaching changes. They've kind of been through like a really bad coaching tenure. They've bounced back. They're a huge brand. Um, I think they're as big or big. Like, honestly, you could make probably have a really interesting debate over like what a more stable brand is between Duke and UNC. Um, I'm not even sure what I would say, but I think UNC might have like, they're both very different in ways. Um, But I think UNC will be fine long term. Um, Also with like Roy. Roy's been you know a solid recruiter he's had his ups and downs but I, I think they'll be okay long term and then I think like you hit on Florida State Virginia um are clearly like the two most stable programs of the last couple years I think Leonard Hamilton probably needs to win like or at least come close to a national title to really start breaking into like that defend like he might be a hall of famer anyway but like a definitive hall of fame case and he's just done a really impressive job. Um, obviously there's like the, the, the tournament thing is kind of looming over him a bit, but it's kind of hard to deny how good he's been for almost all of his tenure there. And then Virginia yeah, can get a you know, final they,
1: four. Like if Hamilton can get a final four, then obviously we're in a different, then 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 his conversation changes very, very much.
0: Yeah. Then you can put him in like the B line tier of like, didn't quite break through, but do it every year, built that program up for like the football school. It's actually an interesting comp, like the Hamilton line thing now that I think mm-hmm. about it. That's just like the first name that popped in my head. Um, but there is like something to say. Like, imagine if Beeheim had never won 03 and like gone to the Final Four that year. Like, obviously, you know, you can't put him on the top tier with a lot of coaches, but you know, you still say like he won forever and like it, it changes his, his legacy a lot, but it's still a legacy. Um and then Virginia has a title. They're still really good. Even like Virginia just seems like even in their down years, like they're going to be a pro a, a factor um every single year. Just like when they don't have their best teams, they're still going to be such a, a like nightmare to play. Um, so I think they're clearly in that top four. And then fifth, I think I'd go Louisville. I think like there's just some, such a strong backbone of that program. I think Max I did coach um, even these like kind of iffy years, they're recruiting well. Uh, so I think that's my solid top five. Um, and then, you know, the, the big looming question for this podcast is like, where do you put Syracuse in relation to those given uh, the recent struggles, the you know, still the specter of like, well, if they make the tournament, they can do whatever Um, the Bayheim question, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's all fair. Honestly, like I, I think for me, my biggest hesitation with Virginia and Florida state is, is the same one that most would have is that especially for Florida state, it's a program that hasn't been to the final four in this regime. And hasn't been to a final four anytime recently, um, I think their most recent one was the 70s, like early 70s. It might have been soon, or it might have been earlier if someone wants to I'm just po- poking Dan, I guess while I'm like vamping, wants <laughs> to double check. On 1972.
0: Uh, last lead eight was 2018. So kind of recent. Yeah. Uh, the because
1: they lost to Michigan that in 2018, if I recall.
0: Uh, that sounds right. But I'll, I'll check while you're while you're going. Yeah, I,
1: I feel like I remember seeing uh, Mo Wagner. Um, and lording over the the knolls at a bar. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like really those are the only things that can be paused. Like obviously Virginia's gotten over that hump um, and and has Bennett. And I, I think Virginia has a good chance to keep Bennett for a long time um, unless the NBA comes calling at some point, which it inevitably does for coaches and then it's their call whether or not they want to stay. Beheim, obviously um, according to multiple accounts, um, you know, turned down the NBA um, at kind of the peak of his, his, pre-title powers, uh, other coaches have given it a go and, and flamed out and you know, over Patino uh, being one of those, I, I think for me, I think North Carolina's North Carolina is the one on more solid footing of any program only, and only because they've been able to do it through multiple coaches. Uh, North Carolina has been a power in the sport since basically day one, um, and has basically cycled through numerous coaches, um, one title is found different ways to do it. Uh, And, and, and I think being a state school, even though they're, they're a, they're a well-regarded state school thing, being a state school allows you a little more wiggle room academically as well. Um, I I think that where Duke has faltered and I'd still put them in number two. I, I think where Duke has faltered is, is just around the fact that they've, I think they're getting exposed a little bit. Cause you and I talked about this, like in the week after the, the, you know, championship run in 2014 for Duke, I think where Duke falters here is around the fact that as the college game gets less important and I think we're seeing college tape get less important and those matchups get less important uh for guys like especially now that the G League has just a team of like mercenaries basically um Duke trying to position themselves as like the 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 lesser evil uh to CaliPari like that's going to siphon talent away from them. That doesn't mean that that they won't be able to pick up more guys, but like unless Kay potentially swings back around to the way he used to recruit pre like 2013, um, I think you could see Duke suffer a little bit. I still think though that they're the clear number two behind North Carolina. Uh, I I think number three is Virginia. Virginia, again, a a well-regarded state school. I think Bennett's got them on really solid footing and just similar to like what Jay Wright is going on at Villanova. Like I, I think the footing that those two coaches have their, their schools on now is far better than, um, what they inherited and I think what, what you'll see them going forward with or without them. Uh, I, I think that they're in good shape. I think Louisville, uh, you know, state school, great resources. Um, obviously the city that buys into them a hundred percent, like they're, they're clearly uh, set up as number four. Um, number five, um, I'm tempted to say Syracuse, but realistically it probably is. It's probably Florida state. Um just because I, I think that the, the current state of the program and the trajectory of the program is, is, is such that that they're on firmer ground than Syracuse. But I think if I'm, we can get into the rest of the list after this, but I, I, I would put Syracuse probably sixth um, because of the Mellow Center, because of the history, and because um, I, I think the alumni base has enough resources to, to to put into this program that, while it might be a rocky next few years, after Bayheim, I I think that they find their footing eventually. And even if they don't project themselves into that like top two to three in the conference, I I think you still see a a program on firmer year-to-year footing than than most of the ones in the ACC, um, especially given like what we've, the the amount of, you know, tumultuous kind of up and down we've seen from most programs since we joined the league.
0: I think like uh, if you're going to take it on like a positive Note with Syracuse is like while we've been kind of iffy, we've had this like whole bubble dance every year, um, over the last couple, like we haven't been definitively worse than NC State. Like Notre Dame's been like quietly down, like from where they were when they really peaked in that that year they made the run to the final four. I think it was the final four, it might have been the Elite Eight against Kentucky, and lost to the Kentucky team that was loaded that then lost to Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. Um, and after Coulson, they really like, like kind of like cratered,
0: yeah, and like they don't get nearly as much. I've seen some some of it this year. I've seen some like what's up with Mike Bray this year, but this is the first year really. Um, State is kind of what state is. Tech is like this is like the best Tech's been in a while, and they're like you know thirteen and eight. Um, Clemson same way. Uh, Pitt is still a mess. Like you know, it seemed like Pitt had some momentum going, like they were kind of turning you know turning the corner, and then they're you know two of their three top stores are transferring out, so that's not great. Miami hit a stid this year, but so like Miami deserves probably more credit than 715 this year was like under really tough circumstances, losing Lyles for the whole season. Um, But overall, like I think Syracuse is in that next pack. It's just the pack's very big, Um, but I don't think that they're like necessarily worse off than any of those schools. It's just like, we're not as close to it. So, and also we have higher standards, I think, than a lot of those. Um, But like, that's to say, it isn't crazy to say like Syracuse kind of gets like one step forward, gets on solid footing um gets itself off of this like bubble like hell that we we're stuck in and uh into like at least like pretty solidly in the tournament most years i don't think it has to be every year i think like obviously i think the expectation for the program is to make the tournament every year but if you make it four out of five years pretty consistently i think you can af- you can excuse like one weird year where we were like on the outside looking in um so it's like it's not like we have that far to go it's just the concern is obviously Beheim's retirement looms at some point it, it has to be coming soon just kind of by default um, there really isn't like, it's not going to be the thing where like Duke will be able to go hand pick whoever they want to take over. And now that person might not be up for the challenge because that shadow's huge and their expectations are even high, uh, higher than ours. Although I'd say ours is pretty high as a program. Um, but it, it's still like a very open question. And like, you know, there's been obviously discussion as always about Hopkins, um, like Hopkins isn't doing very well in Washington right now um now that isn't to say like you know you wouldn't still go talk to him about the job but like is it gonna be an easy sell if hop wants to come back to go hire him off of like you know what could end up being like a really tough tenure at washington are you gonna hire him off of getting fired and then i if think it's, it's easier him-
1: for syracuse to hire him in that regard i don't think it's easier to sell him to the program and because i do think they were ready enough hops and yeah like I- I think there were a lot of hop skeptics not because of his recruiting acumen I think that was that was and remains his strong suit. I feel like so, there's still a lot of hop skeptics from the 4 and 5 stretch while Bayheim that's, was out.
0: That's what I think is going to be a struggle because while his recruiting at Washington's been great and like I think that I I think one of the dirty secrets about college basketball is unless you're like a great game coach, I would take a good recruiter off of a good game coach. Like I think that's just Mo- almost every time the more important side of things is bringing in talent now if you're a sh- if you're a bad game coach or a good recruiter you um are gonna need some help like you're probably not gonna top out at like a national championship but if you're a good recruiter and a pretty good game coach i think you can um or a great recruiter and a decent game coach um now the like hop that's an open question because like here he wasn't great in that in the suspension time now i don't know that, that should all you know be entirely held against him it was a weird situation Um, but now Washington has, you know, brought in some serious talent and hasn't really, you know, done a lot. It has been bad this year. Um, obviously I don't think that Bayhams retiring after this year. So it's kind of a moot point what like this year means over everything else. But I think it'd be a weird sell for a lot of people. If Hopkins like goes 500 the next two years and gets fired. Like, I, I just think that's a, it's tough to hire that guy to then run a bigger program than Washington. Um, I do think a lot of people would be for it because he is who he is, but, once you go beyond there, it's like very not obvious. I know everyone wants to point to Autry or GMAC. I just think, and I've always thought, like, I think J- Jerry's getting just now starting to to the point where he's like bringing in some big time recruits. But it took a while, and like, he's also still young, so I don't want to like freak out about it. But like, it's he's just getting to the point where Hopkins was in like the mid 90s, so it's, it, it's just like I don't want to hand the program, the piece of the program, over to someone who. Just may not be ready, or may not be the guy um, because he's a Syracuse guy. I just don't the think common that's counter to this. that.
1: The common counter to that, though, and and I don't b- agree with it, would be, oh well, Jim got the keys under those same circumstances.
0: Yeah, fifty yeah. years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like the, the the circumstances then, the circumstances now are. I mean, I mean, again, we lost our coach to Tulane at the time. Like that. Like that's Dif- not different that's world. Not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a completely different world. That is not a thing that could happen um, today. I think that where where Syracuse and Duke probably sit in a very similar boat is that I do think both of them, from a donor perspective and both and from an administrative perspective, would prefer to bring somebody in the family in the door. um and, and i'm I'm not saying that I think Duke has more donors. I think Duke has a larger fan base for sure. Um, but from an alumni standpoint, I think that the that that the the donor base and everything else actually looks pretty similar. Um, in terms of their preferences and their their like how they behave, um, in many ways, I, I think that I think that similar to Syracuse, who would probably prefer to bring in Hop even after a losing record, um, like don't you think that Duke would probably prefer to bring in Collins or somebody like Collins, like like at a um, like, like like even with a losing record in Northwestern, <laughs> like I, I do feel like that's something both schools would do.
0: I think it's an interesting comp because I, I coach K's uh, coach K's assistants who have gone on to coach elsewhere, haven't exactly like blown the doors off of their schools. Like um I don't even think Collins, I think uh Wadge might be the, the, the guy and he's like been yeah, okay. And, Marquette, and Marquette
1: fans but, want to like, want to like run him out of town right
0: now. Right. And he had like, you know, two tournament bids in his first five years last year they're probably not going to make it. I don't think like looking at the records this year, they're under 500. So it's not like um, some obvious thing. And then like, like Capel, yeah. you know, Pitt isn't exactly, again, I thought Pitt looked, I mean, in large part because of how they played against us this year, but it did seem like they had things going in a generally decent direction considering how bad the program was when he took it over. And like, he still deserves solid. Like he's on the hot seat at all. he still deserves a lot of time given what he's digging out from the stallings situation was just right. couldn't have gone worse. Um, but like, it's not been a, a snap your fingers turnaround, which I think part of the reason you bring in Cables because he's the recruiter. Like he was, um, the guy who really embraced the one and done thing during his second stint at Duke. um, and then Collins, like you know, he might. I think he's a decent coach. then Northwestern to the tournament, um, while maybe not the accomplishment that every single Northwestern fan on Twitter wanted to make it out to be uh, a couple years ago, like was an accomplishment they hadn't done it before. Um, but things have kind of drifted back to the center there. I know they've had they were talking about a nice win streak recently, but um, it's it's I, I just can't imagine if I was a Duke fan, I would probably have the same things to say about all of them. Like, right. are these really the guys taking over for Coach Tay? Should we not just, like, flex our muscle and try to go get someone who's, like, a proven winner somewhere? Or as close as you can get to college basketball, because it's it's tough to get, like, a proven winner um, that is, you know, that is at the same level as you. Like, yeah, and
1: these are guys that, like they, like, they don't have a ton of recent recruiting wins. I think at least Hop has a lot of recruiting wins of late, even in, even for losing Washington teams realistically he can sell in the idea that like, you know what? I came back to Syracuse and, and, and like, and that has to speak volumes when you're a good recruiter. Like I still do have some, some doubts about his, his in-game coaching ability. Um, and and we'll actually we'll like later in the podcast, we'll get to this conversation around coach Q um, on the women's side. But like, I, I do think that, that he still has more of a pedigree. Like he has gold medals. Like he is more of a pedigree than these other guys, um, and I, I think that's worth something, um, because of how long he was on the bench with Beheim. what he's learned, the fact that he was with team USA, the fact that he's, he's gotten so many guys to the NBA comparatively to, to these at like, you know, Duke comps. I, I still think that what he's Washington, I think you can chalk a lot up to injury this year. Um, I, I just think that he's still in a better, he's still a better standing. I do agree with our general premise here though, that he's going to be it's not going to be an easy sell. And I honestly don't know who else you go get um, if you, if you leave the program. And I don't think that if Beheim is involved in the, in the search process, and I think he will be, um, I don't necessarily know if you're getting anybody outside the family.
0: Yeah, that's a question. And like, it's very easy to say that Beheim should just not be involved. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think Beheim probably needs to be involved. Like it's, I I, I think people and I've been very frustrated as anyone who like follows me on Twitter or listens to this every week. I've been very frustrated with how things have gone this year. I think people are very, very quick or a segment of people are very, very quick to pretend like, you know, 40 years of Jim behind before this, like didn't happen. Like I think he deserves (laughs) a to decide when he retires and b to at least like say his mind, like, you know, give his opinion on who you're hiring after him. Even if it's not like I dubbed the Mike Hopkins, the replacement for me. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think he is going to stump for one of his dies, and I don't necessarily think he should get to make the choice. Um, also, I want to note, just as an aside, because he was such a popular name for a while, um, Nate Oates at Alabama, um, who was at Buffalo before. Not happening. Like, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, there's a really good piece on Alabama basketball, which is very good this year, uh, at the on The Athletic. I forget who wrote it. Um, basically, like, outlining how they see uh, just like a – they're, they're basically making basketball a part of like the we're taking the money that we've made, the millions and millions of dollars that we've made from football and also not paying players um, beyond allegedly, you know, whatever else happens in the SEC. Uh, paying players on the books um, to investing in both the school and making Alabama as a school really competitive, but then also like kind of holistically growing their athletic department. Um, it seems like they're going to do whatever they can to keep Nate Oates there. And just because he coached at Buffalo for a couple of years. Does not necessarily mean he wants to come back to upstate New York? I don't know how significant his roots up here are, um, but he seems very happy at Alabama. And uh, so, yeah, I would not put our eggs in that basket. And that's not even like a knock on Syracuse. I, I think, I think anyone would have trouble getting him out of there. So um, yeah, we'd have to get creative. Uh, and I don't know if there's, I, there, I don't think there was an easy answer. Like even Hopkins, I don't think is an easy answer. So yeah, um, it'll be one of the most fascinating coaching searches. Like I think even football the last couple of times, we've kind of honed in on where things might go. Like we knew Babers was a very distinct possibility. We knew obviously Schaefer, we knew pretty quickly uh, was a possibility. And then Marone was on all of our lists going in after like, we kind of heard his name bubbling up. So none of those were like huge surprises at the time. I think basketball, the direction in which it goes will be a, it'll either be a surprise or it'll be like, Oh, I don't know about this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that there's a short list of of, of known commodities um, on the alumni side, some of which are more established than others. There's a short list of guys that fans would want. Um, I, I think where for us, for for really for Duke too, um, is the like, okay, if it's outside the tree, like shrug face, like there's not really like there 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 aren't obvious names. Um, to point to, like maybe it's Becker in Vermont, but like he's on everybody's list. Like, like the, 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 there, there's guys, sure, but like that's why I think most, most in the know or or, or casually in the know, like you and I are, um, would probably trend more towards a, a related name to the tree, just because. If not, it's it, you, you're 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 either you're either completely locked into who's going to be the pick, or it's a guessing game. And realistically, with an AD that went to Syracuse with a men's basketball coach that went to Syracuse with, with with several notable, you know, former Syracuse coaches out there, including, you know, the one that most until very recently would have picked um, out there as options. I, I, I'd be very, I'd be very surprised if it was anything but that.
0: I do think if you're going to look beyond archery, I think if there was another direction in which Boeheim would be open to, I would both look at the trees of coach K and Rick Pitino as yeah. potential places to look because I, if it's not his guy, it's going to be someone who he knows someone who can vouch for.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I definitely buy that.
0: Although I would so say like, shout out to future Syracuse coach. <laughs> Christ. Honestly, honestly, Syracuse coach honestly Pitino,
1: who, who most do who, most fans would. Oh play. God.
0: I thought about that. Like during this conversation <laughs> It would be, I don't even know what I would do. There's a lot um, of Patino
1: stands. If if he was going to hire Richard, Richard Patino.
0: <laughs> uh, that'd be kind of annoying. Richard Patino is kind of annoying. And he's I hate like, that. he's, I, he's not a bad coach, but like he does the thing he does. Like the, he's like the, uh, and this is like a, not a fair comparison. He's like the like tier below. And then also different sport, like dust smells on where like, he's either <laughs> on the hot seat or he's doing just enough to off the hot seat for like two years. And then he bounces back onto the hot seat. Like it'd be a yo-yo uh thing also has a person he just he's very he's all like the annoying things about rick aside from like the standals but then like personality wise i mean and then like not nearly as good at coaching i, I would i think i would almost rather have rick just because I, <laughs> at least it'd be hilarious
1: i i agree um, i don't want like rick patino
0: but i could yeah. i could learn to appreciate it despite having like serious misgivings about it <laughs>
1: Oof. <laughs> On that note, uh us do some halftime quick uh before we get to the end of this kind of uh program status conversation plus some moments basketball. Um so what have you been drinking?
0: Uh, I've been still working pretty much exclusively through my uh North Carolina package, uh, which, you know, maybe I'll I'll send us some good uh beer. Based vibes down to the ACC tournament, um, but some really good stuff um, from a lot of different places. I had not had any beer before um, from Noose River Brewing. I, I think it's how you pronounce it: it's N-E-U-S-E. Yeah. Um, the Vaccine Double Dry Hopped IPA, uh, which uses a, a bunch of different kind of hops, uh, really drinkable for uh, what is a quite hoppy beer. Um, really nice, like amber color. Really delicious. Uh, then I had uh, the next one was really interesting. From uh, Casita Brewing, uh, the Zero to Kimono Stout, which is, they're basically going for like a chocolate covered strawberry thing, which sounds like kind of like bordering on a stunt beer, but it was like well done enough to actually just be really good. Um, The strawberry flavor is pretty distinct, but not like overwhelming. Really nice chocolate, and then some vanilla as well. Um, Really good, uh, an 11.5%, so uh, very boozy, as you would hope with something like that. Uh, and then I had, um, sorry, I had like descriptions of these, uh, sticky crystals from Sycamore. I've had Sycamore stuff before. I had not had sticky crystals, um, which as you might guess is a hazy IPA, quite unfiltered, like really juicy. Um, not as like dank as I would expect from the name, but, uh, quite good. Um, and then, uh, last night I had a, uh, rye triple from Haw River Farmhouse, um, which, uh, really nice, like crisp, uh, deep kind of like wheat rye flavor, um, very drinkable, even though it's almost 8%. And then right now I'm having a Reptar juice from 26 Acres Brewing, uh, probably the most like straight up hot bomb of the ones I've said, um, another really hazy IPA, very citrusy. Um, I appreciate any Reptar references as a child of the nineties, <laughs> um, quite good. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll highly recommend if you're in the North Carolina area where uh, a friend of sent all of these from
1: nicely done. Uh, on my end, I had, from Highland Park, I had a Bring the Sun. It was a Rustic Saison, uh, fruited. That was pretty good. I finished off that uh, Cool Zone uh, farmhouse sale. It was like kind of a lighter, like, wine cooler style. It's uh, it's Cool Zone with Petite Syrah and uh, Zinfandel grapes. Uh, actually grabbed some beer outside at a very outdoor um, area down Long Beach. I had mentioned previously had a, from Mumford at Material Element uh, Pilsner. It was really, really good hoppy Pilsner had from bottle logic down in orange county um wisdom check uh west coast ipa and then i had another bottle of uh, celladors verboten vermouth inspired uh wild ale that i mentioned back in january uh so i had just kind of trying to clear out the fridge and then yeah i got to at least like be outside for a little bit um with the other ones but um got a bunch of uh, modern time stuff uh, picking up this week so i'll have much more to report on next week i think
0: nice i have i think just one more north carolina beer and then i have a i read i like dug in the back of my fridge and realized i had a lot of beer from connecticut from a couple of weeks ago so i need to mm-hmm. i need to get through all that before i uh go out and buy new stuff so probably a couple of weeks worth
1: nice all right so dan we kind of like closing out this conversation uh we i think we both kind of came to a consensus on the top five um in that next group i guess who's in it and and where does syracuse sit in it
0: it's, I think we're clearly in the second tier. I, I just think like, there's enough um, long-term, like, just, you know, I, I don't think the last five years, like, knots us that far down. Uh, so I think we're clearly in it, and probably towards the top of it. Um, I think votech has kind of worked their way up just because they've been so successful the last couple of years, especially amid some, like, you know, tough coaching changes. There are, a lot of programs would have really bottomed out. They, you know, have, like, a year where they were bad. Um, so it's kind of an impressive like institutional job they've done, which is a good sign for their ability to succeed long-term. Now, obviously when you're a VOTEC or like one of these lower tier programs, uh, you know, one bad coach can really kind of derail you, but if they keep on making good hires, like they'll be in good shape. It's a good job. Um, I think um, NC State is just like who they are every year. Like they're always hovering. Like that. I, I think we get way more, like NC State considers itself, I think a pretty big program. And I think we get way more heat for our constant bubbleness and while NC state has been like this for like longer and just doesn't um, despite being like a big state school in the ACC for a long time in a basketball pundry state. Smalls um, haven't made us, a final
1: four in what? 35 years.
0: Yeah. Like, come on. I think us two and them, Like, I feel like Notre Dame should be, but they just been like, they've been significantly worse than us recently um same with Pitt I think Miami probably gets back I think I know this year's been a disaster but I think Miami's also in this tier just based on Laranega has been really good there I think this I think they'll bounce back pretty quickly from this so I think those four and I would probably put us at the top like I just haven't seen enough from any of those schools and there's just not a lot of ton of consistency from any of these schools so I would say those four and I would go probably Syracuse I probably go Syracuse Va Tech Miami NC State all right I
1: think for me, if I'm looking at the next five, I think it's Syracuse. Uh, I'm going to go Syracuse, Georgia Tech, because I actually think they've been able to bring in a decent amount of talent lately. Uh, I think pasner I I don't know. I'm questionable as far as how much he can keep this team on solid ground, like for going forward. But I, I I'm I'm going to go Syracuse, Georgia Tech, NC State. Actually, it was Syracuse, Georgia Tech, vatech, NC State. Um, and then I'll close out that group with Notre Dame, begrudgingly. I, I, like I said, I think Georgia Tech is is, is a more interesting program of late that, than they've been. I think that they're one that can succeed going forward, and there's plenty of local talent to do that. I do agree with you that NC State should be better than they are, but we can say that for the last 20 years. Um, obviously, Notre Dame... I think Bray has this program on solid footing, Uh, but I think NC State, I think Notre Dame, sorry, has always been on solid footing. I just think that their inability to get over the hump more than once every forty years is 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 a weird element Um, and and one that is not really talked about enough. And maybe that's just because you know they're a football school or because like they don't invest a ton of resources in basketball. I'm not sure, Um, but I I think that would be like my next five. you could probably quibble with whether Miami belongs in that group or not. I know you included them.
0: Yeah. I would have had tech. I I gave four. I I would have had tech 10. Um, So they'll back onto the next five. I just have trouble with them. They haven't made a tournament since 2010. I think there are upsides there. Like it's not like Atlanta produces a ton of basketball talent. Um, It's not like UGA is a big, any like major shades. Obviously they had Anthony Edwards last year. I think they're okay this year, but uh, and Tom Green's trying to build them into something, but it's not like there's like a lot to do off there. So like I think Tech is a lot of a high ceiling and should be able to get there. It just they haven't had any real success in a long time, um, which is why they fell. But I do think like it wouldn't shock me if in two years Tech was like eclipsing where NC State's been. So you know we'll see. I- I'm not sold on Pastner either. Um, and yeah, it's just like I think if Notre Dame had another bounce back year, I think they'd be clearly here. I think there's just trending downward just enough um and then like you could say the same about pitt like pitt had a long uh history of success in the mid east they they more than us have really struggled to replicate it um again another one of the things that maybe it's just that we're so close to it i just feel like there's been way less discussion about like why is pitt so bad in the acc than there has been about syracuse
1: yeah i think a lot of it is it's it's dixon plus it's it's a departure of dixon I think most importantly, uh, beyond that, I think it's just Pitt's overall like lack of identity as an athletic program. And, and and that becomes harder too when you're recruiting against when the schools you're recruiting against are not really like facing much. Um, Ohio State's been able to be really good. The Michigan schools have been very good for a while now. So like Michigan can, can jump into that like rust belt area that Pitt used to be able to. Uh, with Farmer Frequency. I think Pitt struggled probably in Philadelphia without like having the numbers to back that up. And, and I think like Pitt suffered immensely from uh, Villanova's rise. If I had to guess, I feel like Pitt also used to raid the DMV a little bit more, and that's something that Virginia's uh, rise and Virginia Tech's maybe consistency in, in, as a second-tier program um, has really harmed them. If I had to guess, well, Virginia's also been super solid, really, for the last decade and a half. Um, with, with, with few interruptions. And I, I think that the fact that West Virginia has been able to hold on in the Big 12 um, maybe sheds more questions on on, on Pitt's status, really. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd put Pitt probably, I'd put Pitt Miami as the lead in that bottom five. Uh, actually, no, I put Clemson in the lead in that bottom five. I think Clemson's trying to follow that Alabama model that you alluded to earlier of of, of investing resources um, from football uh, success into other sports. So I'd really put Clemson, uh, Miami Pitt, um, BC Wake Forest. I don't think I think Wake Forest is just permanently cratered. I don't really understand what's going on there. BC has an opportunity to fix things, but I still don't think fixing things at BC um from a basketball standpoint really means much higher than like NC State's current situation.
0: Yeah, I think so I would have um, I, I think I would also have Clemson leading off the next group um just based on like it does seem like they have uh, a decent amount of like institutional will to be at least decent um followed by notre dame and i think you could flip-flop those i i either way like i think they're both uh kind of similar i think notre dame is more history of success but things have just gotten weird there um well thompson's pretty feisty um then Pitt, and then i i think bc and wake is like you could go either way like just tie at 14 because both have just been completely unable to get out of their own way. They have like a moment here and there, but both should be better. Like wakes in North Carolina, Boston is still a pretty good city for basketball. And it's not like there's a lot of new England competition beyond UConn. Um, so it's, it's just uh yeah, they're, they're just very disappointing. And I, I don't know what either of those programs, um, Really hopes to do, but they they just can't seem to figure anything out with through like however many coaching changes both have had over the last uh, decade or so. Yeah, so I guess that's
1: that's all. This sounds decent for Syracuse still. I, I think the question is just going to be, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the question is going to be whether Syracuse fans are okay with it. That like like is is a consistent fourth through sixth ish finish good enough? I mean, it it should be based on what we've witnessed. Um, to date in the ACC but I, I think a lot of a lot of fans who are used to you know every few years winning a regular season title in the Big East and every few seasons maybe winning an ACC title you know sorry the Big East title like those like at the tournament level like I think those are memories that stick with older fans and donors and you know eventually like kind of fade um for like younger fans or fans who really have only been ACC fans like to me I'd say like being firmly like placed 6th probably helps
0: I I kind of wonder yes if the, if like 4 through 6 is like kind of the the general standard like if you're a, the fourth through sixth best team in the ACC I'd say you're probably making the tournament and you're at least like a reasonable contender to make some noise in the tournament most of the time um the last couple of years have been weird for the conference overall but I also wonder if like earlier dry spells for Syracuse like the late 2000s before the like Johnny Flynn era like kind of resurgence and then like the the 90s after the 96 final four and like obviously those weren't quite as long um but there was also less like obvious stuff to point to like you couldn't make the leads the lazy like well we're not the Big East anymore and that's why we're bad thing which doesn't really make any sense um or like you can't point to it being like Latter-day Bay Heim and like, is he just like lost it because he was still like kind of in the prime of his coaching career. So I wonder if it's like, I don't know, if those things are actually factors. I really have just never bought the big East ACC thing because it doesn't uh, explain why like Louisville has been perfectly fine for most of the stretch. And, and uh, it doesn't explain like a lot of other stuff. Like it just, it's not like uh, every other program that, that stayed in the Big East or whatever has been thriving, it's been like Nova and that's it. It's um, so like Georgetown's been great. <laughs> like they Maybe haven't. Georgetown's been worse. Yeah, just as they beat us occasionally doesn't mean they've been good. Yukon's um, just finding themselves. Like it's not like all the programs that like stayed behind or like have like kind of gone in other directions have been like have found much better success except for Villanova. And I don't think that really has to do with being in the Big East. I think Nova just kind of found its peak and, and jay wright capitalized and is really good and we've known jay wright stood for a long time um so yeah i wonder if just like there have been more things that have like been given stuff or given people things to point to while it's really just kind of an extended version of what we've had happen before um but also troubling because it is like towards the end of Bayheim's career versus like you know when the team's not very good in in 98 or whatever like, no one thinks are retiring a year later. So it's, it's like, less of a drastic thing to point to.
1: Yeah, I, I think all that checks. Um, sorry, I know we're, we're wrapping up here. So I will say, uh, Dan, that's a good idea that I might run with for an article at some point um, in in the next week. We'll see kind of what happens, I guess, in North Carolina. Um, everybody listening should probably know what happens against North Carolina, um, unless you're watching late on DVR or... Queue up all your games for like a, a a one day binge for 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 weird reasons. And if you do, I want to talk to you about a separate article. Idea.
0: Yes, no. If you if you have watched the entire Syracuse season, uh, like binged over a weekend and you have no you had no idea what had happened before, please let us know, because <laughs> yeah. that is wild uh, and probably not real. Um, but yes,
1: yeah, I, I it, yeah, there's a sports season binger around. I I I, w- I would very much like to talk to you. Um, about what you're doing
0: um but yeah so I, you I, don't even have like the real experience though because like the highs the true... and lows are
1: yeah the highs and lows are, are are relegated to like a day or two which is and just also not like real. you're
0: not on twitter like you're not streaming it at matt park like no, the, you're the,
1: just... this, this is the problem with <laughs> with binge watching a show really is, is that oh, I... you you don't get this experience that like you get if you're, if you're doing weekly release um, model.
0: I totally agree. I, I still, this is completely off topic to end up here, but I, I totally still love the week by week format for most things. I think there are shows that are better binge. And I think there are shows that are definitively better week by week, but I'm glad that we haven't totally abandoned the week by week thing. Some people definitely have, like, I know, really? I know people who wait for a whole show to come out and then we'll watch the whole thing. I mean, but most I do Netflix think-
1: shows are like this. I mean, every Netflix show is like this, but like WandaVision's yeah. like retaught me like how much fun it is to do the weekly releases.
0: It's a ton of fun. It's kind of stressful because you uh, you like and have to worry about problem. spoilers, especially for those of us who have to have Twitter open for uh, our jobs. But um, generally, I've literally close my.
1: I literally have a hundred terms muted, and I've been closing my right eye if I use Twitter on desktop. <laughs>
0: because it doesn't block trending i'm just like uh i'm kind of good at like noticing a word and just blocking like my brain will not read the full tweet uh i'm just for whatever reason um but no it's so much more fun to have like discussions and like be able to like talk about something without just being talking about the end or then like worrying that like oh i didn't watch this netflix show for the first three weeks it was out is there now going to be no there's just no discourse about it or i have to wait for it to pop up so it's uh no, I, I think the weekly model is still, uh, for for most shows, or at least a good chunk of shows, still the way to go. Obviously, there are some things that are just kind of like, I think, like, easy watching TV is better binged for me. Like, stuff that I don't really care to talk about. Like, just kind of, not like trash TV necessarily, but some trash TV. But just, like, things that, like, are, are just kind of really non, non, like, I don't want to say brainless, that feels mean, but just, like, kind of stuff I can put on and just, like, melt in the couch and just have wash over me. Like I don't need to know, talk about that on Twitter. But like a WandaVision or like you know some just deeper intellectually stimulating shows. then yeah, I love to have like the the full like six days of discussion before a new one.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, like there's definitely like I feel like Netflix's shows do that. Like 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 The Crown is intellectual enough, but I don't I don't need a weekly release. Like I don't need a weekly show. Like I don't need, you know, you know, The Crown revisited
0: yeah it's nice to have uh it's nice to have the the balance like I, I do appreciate that that we have like both kinds of shows out there right now. I don't know how we got on this <laughs> the, the, uh, from no, the fan...
1: because yeah because <laughs> it, it, is there a binge fan is is there someone who doesn't watch who who doesn't want the the season highs and lows and just wants the entire emotional um experience in 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 one like day yeah or maybe it's, it's a if... weekly or a weekly or a weekly like you know three to five game binge which just sounds I, horrifying.
0: I bet someone out there does do this. I don't know if they're in the Syracuse fan base, but I would like to hear about their experience if they're just catching up. Yeah.
1: Just like the, the, the weird question of, do you only get Syracuse basketball news through this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> at, at, in which case but, you're pretty pissed off from ripped like straight April. from the forecast. Yeah. All, yeah. All, yeah. It's definitely ripped straight from the full cast. but like, yeah, or do you, yeah. Cause in that case though, if it's just Syracuse basketball, are you really pissed off from April through September? as well oh, yeah. because realistically you don't hear much
0: about the team cuz cuz the off season for us is just like we just do not talk very much basketball during the off season. There's not much to talk about. <laughs> That's true. Basketball off season is a lot less fun than football, even for like a program like Syracuse football. It's just a lot. I, less
1: especially fun. for it pro- was realistically like like what are you going to talk about? Like oh, well, Behai's back. Um uh, the assistants are mostly the same. We're still running the zone. Like, <laughs> like th- 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 there's not much to talk about for this program in the off season.
0: That's true. And it's not even like we, you know, we're not even recruiting at the same level.
1: Yeah, relatively. Like, yeah, there's not a time. We're pretty
0: fine. It's just like, we're not like, oh, we have like, you know, two five stars and a four star coming in like we did for a couple of years.
1: <laughs> Good times.
0: I would, like to, I would like to go back to that if we can.
1: Yeah. That's a must revisit.
0: Please <laughs> give us reasons to talk about the program in the offseason, Jim. I challenge you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh so Dan um, anything else before we head out today
0: no shout out to the uh I mean I don't know who who we honor today I think Marek it seems like is probably going to this will probably be his last season although it's not official but I know his the video his parents put out there made it very much seem like they everyone assumes this is his last year so I don't shout blame to Marek. no no I mean he can, probably Dude, make, can make a million they
1: can make a million a year, year in, in in Europe pretty easily
0: he has been a really important player for Syracuse. I think it's a kind of a shame that he has basically never been able to play the national position that we probably recruited him for um, because of constant injuries and other issues at the center position. Um, I hope that he gets his due in a less stressful time where we can be like, Marek was an awesome Syracuse player uh, four-year player. We should all appreciate him.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, That was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Noon's is an Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, wherever you might listen to podcasts. And go orange.
0: Go orange.